Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Salty Pastor Podcast. I'm Jesse Mayer, and I want to welcome you to a podcast designed to help you in two specific ways. First, our goal is to give you a deeper understanding of the Bible. Every Tuesday is a deep dive on our particular passage or passages in the Bible. The more you listen, the longer you listen, the more you're going to understand about the Bible. Second, whenever you begin to study the Bible, you begin to understand that the Bible is the story about you and God. It talks about Jesus, who he is, what he is attempting to do in this world. It talks about what Jesus says about you, who you are, and what you need in order to discover your true self and what the purpose of your life is. So let's welcome our very own salty pastor, <laughs> Dr. Douglas Peak. <laughs> I get the WWE uh, introduction today. I, I always like actually that. thought I would. I always thought it would be fun to be the announcer, except I don't want to be hit by chairs. Yeah. So. You know. <laughs> yeah, I don't want somebody throwing me through a table. Well, greetings, everyone. I'm glad you're here today. It's so true. The Salty Pastor, it's all about really giving you a deeper understanding of the Bible, but it's done in a very unique way because most people who talk about the Bible talk from the perspective of a systematic theology. It's like a pair of glasses that helps them clarify certain passages of the Bible. Mm. And so what the salty pastor is so different in that is that we try not to do that. We try to stay away from overall systematic theologies. Now, professors are going to go, well, that's not possible. Everybody had one blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, yeah, but see, you can also be honest that they're out there and how they do it. And we try to do that in the salty pastor because I want you to be able to have uh, all the tools necessary for you to understand the Bible for yourself without it being overly complicated. And in doing so, you're going to discover who you are in Christ, what he's trying to do in your life and through your life and allow you to discover your true self, your purpose, which brings meaning and depth. So that's what this is all about. I'm, I'm, love doing it and i love helping people navigate what's going on in this world today by knowing who they are in christ and so i'm so glad that you're listening and you're a part of what we are doing absolutely and we're currently in a study on the book of galatians it's a tough book to understand because it's a letter written to a group of people who had lost their direction mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. um they're no they no longer believed that the faith in jesus was enough and they were following this false teaching mm -hmm. therefore the letter paul wrote them was to help them get back on track and no longer be influenced by this teaching. Yes, exactly. Uh, we're calling the principles that he puts forth in uh, Galatians as seven rules for life. And we're not talking about, you know, uh, rules like driving rules or dietary rules mm. or, or how to file your taxes rules. You know, there's lots of rules we have to live by, right? What, we, what we're talking about is the rules for life. These are the really big things. Uh, and these are things you can't ignore. And so we started off by talking about, look, uh, Paul says to them, you guys are losing your purpose in life when you're trying to live for these two opposing ideas, right? And so he really talks about the ultimate truths, the ultimate rules of life, and most importantly, they all boil down to this, and that is that we're justified by faith in Christ Jesus. Well, what does it mean to be justified? Well, it's a legal term that basically says that you've been put in a position of righteousness, that you're right. You know, in other words, there's no charges against you. Live your life 
free to go, all that kind of stuff. And how that interprets to you and me on a personal level is this, is when you get up in the morning, do you get up in the morning and think my life is valuable? I, and I'm, I am living the dream, you know, um, what I'm doing, where I'm going is completely affirmed. It's like, man, you're doing a great job. You got this. Go in this. Yeah, this is awesome. You know, sure. You, oh, you made a mistake. That's okay. But that's not ultimately who you are. You, this is who you are. That's what it means to be justified in Christ Jesus through faith. And so when we lose that, we're losing the most important attitudes, the most important spiritual foundation by which we live what Jesus Christ called the abundant life. And we're in chapter four. And in chapter three, he really drives this point home by saying, you know, you can try the law or you can try faith. And uh, my son, Zach, uh, spoke on this last Sunday and now we go into chapter four where he picks up the exact same argument but drives it home a little bit listen to verse one where he says in chapter four now what i am saying so he's basically restating what he just talked about in chapter three what i'm saying is that as long as an heir is under age he's no different from a slave or a bond servant although he owns the whole estate so what is Paul doing here? Well, he, what he's doing is he's using a standard way that their society was structured to communicate a principle. So we have to understand the way their society is structured, and we have to understand the principle. The way the society was structured is there were no corporations. The only organization that you could join and be a part of without working for a family was the military, you know, was the Roman legions. Okay. And so... You would work. And when you would, there was different ways to go and work for a family. You, now, you could be a part of the merchant class and so forth and produce your own. But when you went and worked for somebody, there was three or four different ways to do it. Uh, one way the Romans did is they would buy you as a slave, which meant you had no rights, no anything at all. Uh, now, in Judaism in particular, what you could do and what a lot of people would do is they would be bond servants, right? And that's kind of what he's talking about here is you have bond servants. Bond servants would come and they'd say, hey, living on our own, producing on our own, we're not so good at that. We'd like to be a part of your family. We're going to live with you, you know, raise our kids with your kids, and we're going to uh, serve you. And it's really interesting because if you dig into the Old Testament law, they'd say, okay, if you're going to be a bond servant, you're going to be a bond servant for a while. But some people would say, you know, I don't, I, I want to keep being a bond servant. <laughs> you know, I want to be a bond servant. And so I said, well, if you're going to make that choice, then you have to pierce your ear, nick your ear. So in other words, you're saying I've chosen this lifestyle. And what he's saying is, okay, so you guys all understand this. The bottom line is you have kids that are bond servant kids and you have the heirs to the family business, right? To the whole farm. And what happened is in America, we understood this argument up until about 70 years ago. Because up until World War II, almost 90% of people in America worked in agriculture in rural areas. Right. Isn't that a, so you can see a massive shift. Now it's I think 10% of America works it's, in it's your... It's dropped quite a bit. Yeah, it's dropped quite a bit. So he, he's making a, kind of a rural or an agricultural structured 
uh, cultural structure to make this point. And he's saying, look, when you grow up, you, you, you are all raised the same, but only one gets the farm. And he says, so also when we were underage, and he says, look, this is when we were under the law, we were like underage, it all looked the same. But ultimately, when the time had fully come, verse four, God sent his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So he's saying, look at what the law could never do this. The law can't make a bondservant's child an heir, but faith in Jesus Christ can adopt you as one of the seed into the seed of Abraham. And so that's a really big deal. He says, because you're his son sent, God sent the spirit of his son into your heart. And this is the spirit that calls out Abba father. And Abba was a very personal, it's like, like daddy. Yeah. It'd be like dad, you know, daddy when you're little. So you're no longer a slave. You're not under the law. But now you're God's child. You've been adopted. And since you're his child, God has made you also an heir. And it's a very complicated way to say it's through faith in Jesus that you become a child of God. And you see that in verse 6. Because you are now his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your heart, a spirit that calls out, Abba, Father. So it seems like Paul was making an argument in a way that refutes the the mm-hmm. argument that the Judaizers were using to try to kind of lead the Galatians astray, right? Yes. Um, but the Judaizers were trying to get the people who came to faith in Jesus to convert to Judaism. And so they were kind of using the law as an argument for the law. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what they're doing. They were, they were talking about the law. And you can understand this. You know, what a Judaizer has done is they'd committed themselves to the law their entire life, and they believed their righteousness was based upon the law. But you kind of, if you live this way for a while, you realize, you know, you're never going to measure up. You know, it's like being really committed to a gym. You know, people who are gym rats, they go, and it's just like, no matter how much I work out. I'm never going to look like that guy. I'm never going to look like that guy. And so you start to realize, man, I fall short a little bit. And what happens is, you know, then the, the apostles come along and say, it's through faith of Jesus. And Jesus shows up and then the apostles say he's risen from the dead. So he makes up the difference. And you're like, wow, this is awesome. So you see Jesus is kind of filling that last little gap, so to speak. Right. And, and but later on, the apostles realize and Paul realizes like, yeah, no, it doesn't work that way at all. As a matter of fact, the law was important. It was important in in when it existed but now you have to step out of the law into total faith in christ okay and so that's the argument he's making you can't do both when it comes to affirming the value of your life before god is it almost kind of like um it's like when you're teaching your kids rules at a younger age to instill Mm -hmm. with within exactly. them a morality that they can eventually use of their own it's not that they're expected to do those rules of you have to be inside the house by a curfew up until they turn 80 like that that exactly. isn't a rule that continues on it's a rule to teach you hey good choices don't usually happen after 11 o'clock at night <laughs> 10 so o'clock. you out oh, of 10 o'clock sorry <laughs> you need to be home so it's a exactly, similar kind exactly, of thought process because you know what you teach your kid these rules right and when when they're five they don't understand the point of the rule you just say you're not allowed to play in the street right 
You know, that's all you do. You say you can't do that. No, you can't play with a chainsaw. Can't do that. Dad, you're no fun. <laughs> do you, nope, you're not allowed to stick the screwdriver in the socket. Nope, can't do that. You know, you tell, you tell kids these various things and you do these various things. And so, but as they get older, you know, they, they start to realize, oh, the, 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 the point behind it. The spirit know, of the rule. The spirit of it. And what Paul is saying is, yeah, the spirit of the law is that you can't justify yourself. You're going to need to be justified by Christ. So that's exactly it. And that's why the Old Testament is a part of the Christian Bible. You see, uh, a lot of people get a little confused when you start to read the Bible. They always start with the Old Testament. Well, and, and even children's ministry, almost all of the Bible stories we are learn from about the are Testament. the Old Testament. And so what what I always thought so interesting about that, though, is that in reality, Christianity is the New Testament. Right. That's Christianity. So if you want to understand Christianity, start with the book of Luke. Read the book of Luke and then read the book of Acts and then go back and read them again. I even wrote a book how to read and understand the Bible. And that's what it says. And that's it's, available on our website. Yes, on our on website. You can tab. even go to Amazon and you can search it and it'll pop up there. Ooh. Wow. You're you're so fancy. <laughs> Published <laughs> no. on Amazon. Yeah, I've sold three copies um, <laughs> in four years. Because uh, mostly what happens is we buy them and give them away. But uh, what happens is, is that you want to understand Jesus and, and then what happens is then you can go back and start reading the Old Testament because the whole purpose of keeping the Old Testament as a part of the Christian Bible was to show how the law points to faith in Jesus. That, that was the point. It wasn't designed for us to figure out how to live under the law again. Right. And it's really interesting how many Christians, even America, do that today. Mm. Is they, they try to live under the Old Testament law you know, in that regard. Now that doesn't mean that, that like the 10 commandments are wrong, you know, tossing everything out. You don't do that. But, but what it does mean is that the, um, I learn about God's holiness from the old Testament. I learn about the heart of God. I learn about God's, I learn about these things, but that just drives home the point that I have to be justified through faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Well, let's, Go back to the text and okay. see what Paul says next. Uh, verse 8, Formerly when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are not turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You're observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. So, Ooh. yeah, Paul's pretty salty there, isn't he? And what he's saying is that, look, you, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. And what he means by that is ceremonial religious acts, you know, following a certain uh, special day or a special month or seasons and this and that and the other where you get all wrapped up in that is not going to justify your life. It's just not going to happen and so they're you know following a rule is not a god and he says so so once you have a personal relationship with jesus christ the next question then becomes how do you keep it strong and the judaizers were trying to convince the galatians well the way you do that is you become jewish and follow the old 
Testament law. And that's what I think is so tempting to the human heart is some people adopt an outward culture to give themselves a sense that their relationship is strong. Uh, we we kind of do this uh, in in marriages at times. What you do is like, well, I'm a good husband because, you know, I provide, I do this, I do that. And he looks at his wife and says, so give me a break, get off my back, you know. And she says to him, well, I'm a good wife, you know, I do this and I do that and, and we're intimate this many times a year. I'm a good wife, get off my back. Well, if you're going to try to have a marriage that's healthy and strong and, and uplifting, how is it that appealing to rules is ever going to achieve that? Right. Yeah, that, that doesn't really... It doesn't build any kind of love when yeah. you're like, I did this many rule-following things today. Yeah. Because you know what rules are designed to do? Preserve what already happened. It's to preserve what already happened. But a relationship is to go forward to new things based on a foundation of the past. See, so what, what it really is, is a vast difference between how you perceive your faith in Christ. Is it, oh, I got to follow rules now, or is it a relationship that I'm trying to build on? This is transformative. If you're single and you want to find somebody to love, then you need to look at your love life in this way, the same way you look at your faith. And so, uh, I think it's really important to understand that culturally we tend to look for culture to give us a sense that our relationship is strong. But as Pastor Harv talked about when he preached out of Galatians, when you look to the world to conform you or to shape you, it's always a losing game. You will always will get fried. And that's kind of the same exact point he's making here. So it seems that one way that the Judaizers were trying to get the Galatians to follow them was by attacking Paul's motives mm -hmm. and calling him names. Uh, let me yeah. read the next couple of verses. In verse 12, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. That's vivid. Um, <laughs> have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Uh, verse 17 continues on. Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good. And to be always so, or to be so always, not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. <laughs> So you Paul's see, going hard. Yeah, on you this. see, his tone is pretty harsh. Okay, and it's harsh for a couple of reasons, and that that is this: is that when he went to Galatia, he got he got sick, and so they kind of took him in and, and to, nursed him back to health and, and provided his needs and took care of him. And then he shared the gospel with them and they became followers. And so he's saying, look, we had this great relationship, but what 
the Judaizers were doing is they were attacking Paul with an ad hominem argument. And that means they were attacking his motivation, his intent, and his character. So what he was doing is he was saying, well, what Paul told you about the law is a lie. And Paul's misrepresenting what God really wants. And he did that because he was taking advantage of you because he, you know, he was sick. And so they were really going after him. They were attacked in his character and his heart. And so he says, look, I'm going to be strong with you. Uh, because you're perplexing me you know we have this really great relationship based on love but now you guys are acting wild now this is really interesting because in our culture today what happens is if there's a broken relationship if there's something going on the culture our society says that the way you win people back over is love right and right. their attitude is what love is is that you get really nice and really sweet and you do whatever they want and you never you never tell them anything that they're doing wrong yeah and you never approach the truth of the situation or the ultimate truth of this is who you are and that is you know, when, when I go see my doctor, you know, and I have a health problem, my doctor walks in and my doctor says, yeah, here's your problem. You know, I, I appreciate that he's forthcoming, right. you know? And so, so in the same way, Paul is saying, you need to know the truth because this is a absolutely incredible I, my motivation was not to get you over. Their motivation is to win you over to their side. This is not good. And then he says, being zealous for something is fine. It's what you're zealous or passionate about that makes all the difference. Well, and it seems like Paul really loves the Galatians. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is this why he's arguing so forcefully for their salvation absolutely because he feels that they are going to they're in danger of getting so far off they'll shipwreck their faith well and and as we read ahead these final 10 verses kind of really confused me uh do you want to shed some light (laughs) on what paul is teaching during these okay the key verse to understanding these last 10 or so verses is verse 24 he says these things are to be taken figuratively So he's saying, I'm giving you a very abstract analogy analogy thing, right? Or is it a metaphor? (laughs) I always get them confused which one's supposed to be which. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, verse 21, are you not aware of what the law says? So he's going back now. uh, Zach preached about this a little bit, and that is, is that even the law tells you that you're justified by faith in Jesus Christ. He goes, don't forget what the law says because it's written that Abraham had two sons, right? And by one was the child of Hagar. This was Sarah's bondservant. Sarah didn't believe that God would get give her a child because she had been barren and she's pretty old, you know, in her late 80s, somewhere. I mean, right. yeah, that even on a lunar calendar, however you want to calculate it, it's a, she's old. Right. <laughs> but she decided to take things in her own hand, lack of faith. She tells Abraham to go into her servant, Hagar. He, she produces a son, and his name is Ishmael. And Ishmael is the father of the Arab nations. Right. Okay? So that's really, really important to understand. Now, then uh, 12 years later, guess who comes along? 
Sarah then has a child. They name him Isaac. And so what he does is he says, okay, here's what I want you to understand. And in the mountains and in the land and all this stuff is so important to all of these people. And he says, look, these things are to be taken figuratively. Verse 24, the women represent two separate covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be servants or slaves. This is Hagar. And now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and also corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem. And she represents that everybody who is living according to the law or living according to this religious system is under the bondage or slavery of that system. Verse 26, but the Jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother. So what he's basically saying is, is he's trying to use their relationship to the land, their relationship to the law, even their relationship to their Arab brothers, which they had tremendous issues uh, constantly with them. He says, look, the, the bottom line is this. And if you jump down to verse 28, uh, he quotes he quotes an Old Testament passage and he goes, look, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, you are now children of the promise. What made Isaac and, and his offspring so important wasn't the biological DNA transfer of being a, a Semitic individual. What he's saying is that it was this bigger promise is a more glorious promise. And now you have been called to do it. Now it's hard to understand because he's speaking figuratively. He's using idioms and these are cultural idioms. And we look at that and go, what in the world is that all about? Right. I'm just very lost. I'm very lost. And it's the same thing, you know, uh, Borat came over here and made a big, that comedian made a big joke about coming from some uh, Eastern Bloc country, right. you know, and he, he, he makes fun of America because of all the idioms, you know, the right. way, the cultural idioms that we we have. And so in the same way, that's what's going on. And that's why it's difficult. What it's important for you to understand who are listening is that he's basically saying is that there is one promise. And that one promise is this, is that Jesus Christ is the one that makes you a child of God. And you can't live under both covenants at the same time because one is slavery and one is freedom. So let's recap some of the principles we found in this chapter. Mm -hmm. uh, first, there was two covenants operating at this time, and you can't live both at the same time. Um, you kind of referenced the law of non-contradiction that you yes, talked in the about past. a couple times. Mm -hmm. um, so you see that here. Right. You <laughs> can't do both. Yes. Uh, two, the Judaizers attacked Paul's intent and character in order to try and prove their point. We should be careful not to be influenced by these types of arguments, right? Yes, yeah, and that's what's really interesting today in the media. We'll talk about this more on Thursday, is that the primary way everybody argues anything today is ad hominem in nature. In other words, you attack the person, not whether the argument not is... Not the actual argument like, yeah, or the logic. Exactly. Um, and then the third point we found was we should be careful to choose the right culture... Um, in which we immerse ourselves because that is what will either grow our faith or undermine our faith. Yeah, I think that's really good. And that is, is that, you know, and here's how do you, how do you pick a culture, right? That's going to help grow your faith. And this is the purpose of the church. And that is now I can choose to affirm my life by myself 
And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go out and I'm going to look for a culture that I think that that subconsciously resonates with that as well. This is why some people are really attracted to extremely legalistic forms of Christianity. See, they're they're looking for the rules to make them feel righteous instead of their relationship with Jesus Christ. On the other side of that same coin is that a lot of people out there go, well, I'm going to I want to go look for a church that's hip and cool and tolerates everything. Right. Makes me feel good all the time. All the time. Well, you're doing the exact same thing. You're trying to justify yourself by yourself. And all you're doing is rebelling against the rules you were taught as a child. And you're you don't know it, but you live that way. You're filled with pride and arrogance because you think, you know, and the other group of people that live this way, uh, this is really going to get me into trouble, but I'm very, <laughs> uh, I'm very convinced of this, and that is there's a group of people out there who believe that they're followers of Christ who say, I don't need the church. Mm. I'm sorry, but let me hit you with a truth bomb. You are not living as a Christian, and you will shipwreck your faith. It's a non-negotiable for Jesus. It's non-negotiable. You know, you can't say to Jesus, I love you, but I hate your wife. You know, that wouldn't go over well at a party, would it? Generally well, not yeah, that I've well, ever seen. I've never seen that go over well. You know, if you go up to your boss at the Christmas party, go, I really love you, but I can't stand your wife. He's going to go, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Is that, is that, but that's how these people are living. And what they're doing is they're trying to justify themselves by themselves they're trying to decide the culture that they want that's going to grow their faith so all three of these things are heresies are fallacies and they're things that will shipwreck your faith now you may be in a transitional period you're like okay i was working in california and then i've moved here and i'm looking for a church uh, I, I have a whole nother thing I can talk to you about how to do that. It is, it's tough. It's a difficult process. But what some people do is they allow Satan to influence them in a way so that they just give up, right? They don't continue. So you can be a part of a church remotely. You can be a part of a church from anywhere in the globe due to the blessing of technology today. The key is, is that you have to have a culture that uh reinforces that you are justified by Jesus through faith and then builds on that relationship so that your faith is growing. Those other three options that I just talked about will never do that. Well, I think that's a good point for us to wrap up for today. Um, we're going to continue this discussion on Thursday, and then obviously you'll be preaching on this on Sunday. Um, but we, um, I think, I mean, especially those last kind of 10 verses were really the biggest things for me. And so I appreciate you kind of walking me through and walking the, the, the <laughs> You're listeners welcome. through. We're, well, we're um, walking all of you through this. Yes. And uh, we'll continue on this, but we appreciate you sharing all that. Make sure you guys, we're getting really close to our 1,000 on YouTube. So if you got a friend, a child with a school email account, have them all <laughs> subscribe to our YouTube so we can hit that 1,000 and start really making some progress on what we're able to do with the technology. And yes. then leave a review. Um, 
you know, five star reviews on the A- iTunes, Apple on the Apple yeah. podcast um, really bumps this up, and we'd love to be sharing this with more people. So yes, because what happens is either on YouTube or so, is someone might be out there and they're asking a question like, and so they'll type into the search, you know, on YouTube or on an Apple podcast, you know, about you know the Bible or you know what you know something about a podcast. Well, once you get over a thousand subscribers, then your your result will pop up. Yeah, your your small fish that isn't to be trusted until you get past a <laughs> thousand in the views yeah. of the algorithm. Now you can find us on YouTube by going in there and typing in, you know, Foothills Christian Church Boise, and then it'll pop up. Right. But if somebody is just generally searching, yeah. So it's, that's why we want to get over a thousand because we really believe, I believe, that what we're doing here it has the potential to bring revival back to America and really help save it. Absolutely. You know, from from the elements in it because we have our own Judaizers right here in America, and if they win the debate, then what's going to happen is we're going to find ourselves in a painful situation. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us and we'll see you on Thursday for the next episode of the salty pastor blessings.